Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready, Erin. Let's go! Let's go. This week, Gone with the Bushes takes you to England. 1952 black and white MGM film called... Witness for the Prosecution. This is another one that I knew nothing about. It was a recommendation to us. It was a recommendation to us, and it was spot on. Yes. It was originally um, a short play. Written by Agatha Christie. Agatha Christie. Directed by the... Billy Wilder! Billy Wilder. So we've already done a Billy Wilder movie. Have we done two? Because mm-hmm. there was Double Indemnity. Double in. Did he direct We didn't that? do Double Indemnity. We didn't? No, it's on the list. Oh, okay. Well, he did Double Indemnity. Did we? we did do Some Like It Hot. We did do Some Like It Hot, which I have a funny thing to say later in our reviewing. Excellent. I just want one correction already. The movie is from 1958, but it takes place in 1952. Oh, thank you. I heard I heard 1952, and it rung with me because somebody was born that year. <laughs> That's an old person. Well, who was that? Oh, it was someone of German descent. Uh. Yeah, the reason she's talking that way is because not only is Tyrone Powers in this movie, but also... Marlena, Marlena Dietrich. This is the first time I've seen a movie with Marlena Dietrich in it. I only know her from the falling in love again, never wanted to. Uh, who decided she was a singer? She did. Well, I enjoyed her uh, singing. I don't know. I, I guess because <laughs> I'm like, what am I to do? I can't help it. I, I just. Well, that's always yeah. stuck in my head. I know she was famous for her games. Yes. And a, an entire scene was written so that the audience could see one of those. She, now, she was the female Warren Beatty. Because she got around town. I'm sure she did. She, it is rumored that she boasted how she slept with three Kennedys. Joseph Kennedy, Joseph Jr. Kennedy, and Jack Kennedy. I can see Joseph Sr. Because in 1958, she she looked like she'd been rowed hard and put away wet. Well, Ma, in 1958, she was 56 years old. She was 56 years old. I mean, okay, perhaps we should go into the movie so our, our listeners will know. We are going to let you know before we reveal the final ending that you can stop it if you want to see this because yes. it is well worth doing that. It has a 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. And it's Agatha Christie, so you have to figure there's probably going to be some kind of a little plot twist. Mm-hmm. You know, Agatha. Oh, whoa. Yep. Okay, so we open on a courtroom in England. Was it in London? I assumed it was London. It was. I have trivia for this, but I have binged season two of The Crown. So I was just like, oh, snap, it's The Crown. 
but yeah. it's not. But I, I was. I binged. I binged the crown with you, and I wasn't no snapping anything. I was. I was like, oh snap! It's the crown. When they're saying God saved the queen, they're talking about Elizabeth. Yeah, and it's the and 50s. in fifty-two, she was crowned in fifty-two. Correct? Uh, I, no, wait. I thought her. Maybe it, yes, it was. Yes. Okay. Because <clears throat> when they were singing "God Save the Queen," I wondered if that was a faux pas. If the king were still alive, but no, God save okay. the new queen. Because we'll, we'll just assume that it took place. It did not take place in January, right? So it, we're safe, and they're safe. Okay, so um, Tyrone Powers was evidently the the matinee idol. Oh, more than matinee. I mean, it's it was said that Marlena and Billy Wilder and Charles Lawton all had a crush on him during this movie. Wow. Yeah. So I, I think he's like Brad Pitt, George Clooney, all wrapped up in one. Well, this was his last film. Yes, it was. So Okay, we start in a courtroom in England. Mm-hmm. And... Then well, that's where the titles. So it's just the courtroom. I believe it's like the something like Bailey courtroom in London. Yeah, more on that later. Um, more on that. And it's the the titles. And so it based on Agatha Christie, um, directed by Billy Wilder, screenplay by Larry Marcus, Billy Wilder, and Harry Kernitz. It was produced by Arthur. Hornblow Jr. And I just thought it was funny that, you know, picture the titles of these older films and then when it's like produced by and Arthur Horn Hornblow Jr. had his like signature up there. So I was like, who does this guy think he is? Well, he produced a fine film indeed. Yeah, he also produced Gaslight, Asphalt Jungle, and Oklahoma, among others. <gasps> Oh wow! So. Okay, so we uh, we see an old man in a car with a nurse. Yes, and like old man. At first, I said, "Is this Winston Churchill?" He was he was rotund, and he had a puggish face, mm-hmm. and he, um, yeah, he was a large man, and the nurse is Elsa Lancaster. And I, I know her from somewhere, but I don't know where. She was in a lot of things. She was in a lot of things. She was in Mary Poppins. She was like a nanny they let go. She was, oh, okay. she was Bride of Frankenstein. Yes, yes. And like just a ton of things. And in real life, Charles Lawton is the old man. Mm-hmm. And Elsa Lancaster is the nurse. And they were married in real life. And it, they have a really funny relationship because Elsa doesn't shut up. Oh, she doesn't. She does. She does prattle. She does. And Charles Charles Lawton, he plays Sir Wilfred Robards. And Billy Wilde... Well, well, we'll get to that later. Needless to say, this man has... People who have bona fide credentials have said this man has the most bona fidest of acting credentials. Ah, of acting, because the lawyer, Sir Wilfred, was the most bona fide of 
trial lawyers, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, But uh, may I say he was a barrister? Yes, not a solicitor, because only barristers in England are allowed to argue before the king or the queen's representative. Yeah. So he's a trial lawyer. And yeah, they wear the wigs. Funky looking wigs. And they still still do. do. I know. I don't. I, I meant to look that up in my research today and I forgot. They do because Carol's son-in-law is a lawyer. I'm going to go with solicitor. I'm not sure. But, yeah, he has a wig. It's, did you, did you, do you know why? Just like old-timey, we're just going to keep this tradition? Because even the women wear the wigs. I know. I don't, I don't know. Um, that's something to look into. Okay, so we have found out as they're riding in the car and Elsa Lancaster is talking nonstop that the old man just came out of a coma. He was in a two-month coma. That he is indeed a lawyer. He's a lucky lawyer because he survived. And Elsa Lancaster, I wrote too much because she just doesn't stop talking. But he's going to go home to work. Yes, he has his office at home, and he in the car ride, though, may I just say, he has the most beautiful blanket on his legs. It looks so lovely, so lush. I didn't notice the I blanket. I noticed the blanket. I was like, that I'm, is a nice blanket. I'm going to have to go back and check that out. At first, okay, he's so- got the flannel blanket, and then he like pulls up. This nice blanket. And I'm like, there you go. Ah, okay. So I was confused because I thought he was going home, but then it turned out he walked into his office, but then it turned out that he lived upstairs from his office. Yes. So um, he's coming in and his staff of about four or five people. It's five people, four women and one man. um, Are there with flowers and they have a poem to recite to him. And he's Mr. You know, uh, I'm not paying you to recite poems, recite it on your non-work time. And um, and then Elsa tells them that he was expelled for conduct unbecoming a cardiac patient in the hospital. Well, yes, because so we this scene sets up who this Sir Wilfred is. And he's very no nonsense. When he walks in, his five employees are lined up straight in the line. And he makes the com like she's about to say the the poem. And he's like, oh, come on. Can you do it off off company time? I'm going into my office. And then another one of them kind of makes a like like that kind of thing. And he was like, oh, what are you getting all sentimental? And she was just like, no, it's just glad to see that you're back, that you have it changed. Like, that's what made her emotional because she's like, oh, he didn't soften from his near-death experience. And so then that's what Elsa tells him, like, oh, this guy, he didn't, like, he, yeah, he got kicked out because he was just being bad. And doctor's orders are he's he's to have no criminal cases. Right. Okay, so then the nurse goes, it's 2.30, it's time for your nap. He doesn't want to hear anything about that. And, and he goes, well, give me my cane so I can go upstairs. And she goes, wait a minute, I know what's hidden in that cane. And she unscrews the bottom and two cigars fall out. Yeah, I believe three. 
And she said, and there was also brandy in the, hidden in the key. Mm-hmm. So they had installed one of those cool chair lifts. Yes. And every time I see a chairlift, I think of that song, My Baby Takes the Morning Train from Seifel. Because <laughs> I just picture George going up and down the stair chair. <laughs> there was one of those at, at one of the beach houses where I was. In the oh. Summer. And I always wanted to ride it, but I didn't because I hadn't rented the beach house and I didn't want to mess anything up. He has fun on it, and he keeps almost getting to the top where the nurse is, and then going back down, and then coming up, almost getting to the top. It looked fun. It looked fun. And someone comes in and says, Sir Wilfred, we have a serious criminal matter. Yeah, a solicitor. Yes, it's a solicitor who cannot try a trial because he can't speak in front of the people. Mm-hmm. So it's a so, solicitor and this guy kind of hanging back. The guy hanging back is Leonard Vole, mm-hmm. who turns out to be Tyrone Powers. Not the moment that I had when Rhett Butler turned around and it was Cary Grant. It wasn't. I didn't have that <gasps> moment. Okay. So he goes, I can't, I can't take it. I'm not allowed to try any criminal cases. And he starts back up the steps and he sees two cigars sticking out of the solicitor's pocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, perhaps we'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. He drives back down. So he goes back down. And Tyrone Power is saying, I may be arrested at any moment. And uh, somebody says, for what? And he goes, for murder, of course. Yeah, Tyrone Power, he, like, he, it, it seems as though he's just tagging along because somebody just told him, like, um, do you want to go to 7-Eleven to get a beverage? And he's like, no, I, I already had a beverage. I have plenty of delicious beverages at home, but I'll just go with you for the walk. He's got yeah. not a care in the world. Not a care. Uh, Emily French, a middle-aged widow, was found uh, murdered in her house. And Mr. Vole was uh, the last person to be seen with her. Right. So Sir Wilfred goes, give me a cigar. And uh, he calls Tyrone Power into the room. Right. Because they, they've they been meeting in his uh, office. Because the nurse can't go in his office. Because, you know, that's like um, lawyer-client confidentiality or something. Exactly. Because he wants to smoke his cigar. Exactly. So Tyrone Powers going, hey, I, I got no problem. Christine, my wife, thinks I need a lawyer. That's when we went into the difference between a solicitor and a barrister. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, I talked with the police. I gave him a statement. Everything's good. Um, and Sir Wolf goes, I'm not taking the case. I can recommend Mr. Brogan Moore. And so Tyrone Powers going, wow, this is going to be three lawyers and I don't have any money. Okay, now I have a question for you, Ma. Uh-huh. At, at this point, and this isn't like a spoiler alert or anything, but Tyrone Power is American, right? Like yeah, I haven't uh, I haven't been watching so much of The Crown now that British people just sound American to me, right? No, cuz he didn't even try to have an English accent. Yeah, so I'm thinking he's American. Mhm. But me too. He's I guess he's British. 
I don't think he is. I think he's there because of the war. All right. I know it was it it was confusing like you didn't know why why didn't he go back home to America if he didn't have a job? Yeah. Cuz yeah, cuz and we'll get to it uh, more when I'm like and then this. So what? So at this point, yes, I am like, "Oh, I guess he's an American here." Right. So they're asking what jobs have you had? He said I was a mechanic, but I quit. There was some reason. I worked in a department store, but it was only for the Christmas rush. I guess I'm a bit of a drifter. Um, well, how did you meet your wife? Well, he was stationed in Germany during the war, and he met Christine, who is a German woman. Yavol. And he goes, I'm a bit of an inventor. I've made this egg beater that not only beats eggs, but it can also separate them. And I just needed some money for manufacturing. So they go, well, how did you meet Mrs. French? Because he admitted to being friends with Mrs. French, the dead woman. Mm -hmm. And so he goes, well, uh, I was walking along the street and I looked in a window and uh, it was a hat maker. And there was this woman who was trying on a hat. And she looked around and saw me in the window. And I said, no, that's not a good hat. Well, this is a flashback. We see this. Yes. Yeah, we get to see it. Yeah. So then uh, she puts on the second hat and he nods and like, yeah, yeah, that's it. So she comes out of the store. Which, and says, who lets them? I was, I couldn't believe it. I was like, they just <laughs> let her walk out of the store with this hat on? Yeah, well, she was, she was Miss Moneybag. So I guess they let her do whatever she They're wanted. Like, she's good for it. Yeah. And, uh, okay. Like, okay. Um, so, uh. She said, he said, oh, this is much more becoming. It suits your face. Uh, oh, that's my bus. I got to catch my bus. So, like, this was a, an unplanned meeting. Mm-hmm. I truly believe he had set it up all along. A few weeks later, he sees her by accident. Um, she comes and sits in front of him in the movie theater in with the, the hat on. Seats. They're in the and, cheap seats. Go ahead. Well, they're in the cheap seats. Like up in the balcony. The seats usually uh, reserved for people of color. Which, spoiler alert, not for this movie. There is none. (laughs) Zipola. Zero. Zipola. He's as close to a person of color as you come just because he doesn't have any money. (laughs) Um, And... (laughs) So then he's he's saying, hey, lady, lady, I can't see. And she turns around and she goes, oh, it's you. Can I sit next to you? So they become fast friends in the movie theater. She says, yes, I frequent the movies. And, um, and I'm, I'm known to see a picture two or three times. Yeah. Well, she's, she's a widow. And it's obvious at this point that she's lonely because she leaves the house. She has no particular place to go. So she ends up going to the movies. And then she just ends up like watching him and she'll just watch him over and over again. Which made me think he knew that she frequented the movies and that's why he was there. But, but hey, that was a total judgment on my part. Tyrone Power is telling the uh, barristers, I didn't know she was rich. She invited me for tea and I started showing her my egg beater. And this is, again, a a flashback where Mm -hmm. we see it happening. Uh, 
Now, Mrs. French has a maid, Janet, who's Scottish. Scotland. And she wants none of this dude. Well, in Janet's defense, he is making a mess in her kitchen. He is. Using this, it looks like a double egg beater, and, and it's just looking really stupid. Mm-hmm. So they go into the sitting room, and she brings the tea. Um, and uh, they decide to have sherry instead. Again Back with the with, sherry. Again with the sherry, yeah. And so she goes, I feel like Christmas. So you know that she's fallen for this guy. Oh, she fell for this guy the minute she put on that first hat. And it did, and he, he was like, no, she was yeah. in love with him. Yeah. So then Tyrone Powers tells the barristers, I, I'd see her one or two times a week. So then they go, well, the evening of the murder. Well, wait, they go one or two times a week with your wife? And he was like, no. And they're like, uh, oh, okay. That's not weird at all. Does she know you're married? And he said, yeah, she knew I was married. Um, okay, so the evening of the murder, the time frame is 6.30 to 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, why have I written down? Oh, he was there to see if maybe Mrs. French would invest money in his egg beater. Right. And they're saying, you know, she was in love with you. Um, and she and and. He said, well, she was under the assumption that Christine and I don't get along. And they were like, well, why is she under that assumption? And he's like, she just chose to believe it. It's not because you said anything to lead her to believe such a thing? And he's like, no. No, I was just hoping for a loan for my invention. And they're like, okay. Is this when he does the monocle test? Yes. Okay, so the monocle test is this Sir Wilfred fella... He's imagine his thumbs hooked in his vest and he's got a monocle, which I personally think the monocle needs to come back. I'm ready for it. If I only needed one eye uh, fixed, then I might do it. You know what? I might bring it back. So he (laughs) takes his monocle, he puts it in his eye and he has his his thumbs hooked in his vest. And the way he is standing and the way that Leonard Roy is sitting he is able to reflect the light from his monocle right into the guy's face. So he's like blinding him and he's just rapid firing questions. It's pretty awesome. And uh, Leonard Vole passed the monocle test. Right. Evidently, this is a test that he frequently does to see if his um, client is telling the truth or not. Yeah, because it's to knock him so out of whack that they forget their own, they, I don't, I, really there's flaws in the monocle test. It just looks really cool. It did look really cool. Um, and um, he passed. And so he said, uh, I do now believe you, but you don't have an alibi. Yeah. You ain't got no alibi. Um, he said, I walked home. It was 926 when I got home. Christine was there. She saw me. Mm-hmm. At this point, the the third lawyer arrives, Brogan, and somebody says it's a hot potato. This case is a hot potato. Well, they come in and they also inform him, I believe, at this point, that he has 
that Leonard has been left 80,000 pounds. And Leonard was shocked. What? He had no idea he was in her will. I just I just knew she was an older an old widow and she was lonely and I like to drink sherry. I had no idea. This is and a he shock is to so me. excited. He runs to get the telephone to tell Christine because he finally has money for his invention. Ah oh my it's manna from heaven. But then he realizes oh, oh shit. Snap. This is going to mm-hmm. make me look guilty, isn't it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, at which point, um, Sir Wilfred looks out the window and sees the police arrive. He's like, yeah, they, uh, they're going to arrest you at any minute. And by any minute, we mean in ten. Nine. <laughs> So before that happens, he manages Sir Wilfred to take another cigar out of the solicitor's pocket. Mm-hmm. Um, and they asked Tyrone Power, um, has this taught you anything? And he said, it taught me never to look in a window where there are women's hats. Ooh. Oh, he's just, he's got all the answers. Uh, he is just Mr. Cool. I automatically was like, this drifter is guilty. <laughs> well, yeah, you kind of go, oh, come on. I mean, yeah, just okay. the way that he just kind of breathed, the way that he breezed into the movie. I was like, you have killed someone. He was just well, a little too Joe Cool in my book. And at this point, who arrives? Well, the two barristers are, are like, okay, you need to go. Well, Wilfred says to the other guy, Look, you need to go inform his wife. Um, she's a foreigner, so we don't know how she's going to take it. You might want to bring some brandy with you. You might want to bring <laughs> some smelling, smelling salts. Because um, she's probably going to like get hysterical. And at which point, off camera, you hear, I do not faint because I don't know how I will fall and smelling salts make my eyes too puffy. And that is no exaggeration, folks. I nailed it. And may I say, obviously, Sir Wilfred had never met a German before. I know. I was like, because <laughs> and, and that's how she kind of came in. But she came in because she just looked. She, it is rumored that Marlena Dietrich would suck on lemons to keep her mouth muscles tight. And she had that not face. only that, but she had special tape with with strings attached, with thread attached, that she would put in her hairline and pull her skin really taut and put the wig over it. Ah! So when, so when you watch her, she doesn't move her head. She moves her entire body so those strings don't pop. <laughs> I was wondering because... Like her eyebrows are really high on her forehead. Like really high up. But I have to say, she's beautiful. Like the whole way that it comes together, I had to do the math because I there's something we'll get to later that made me do the math because I was like, oh, that's really odd. But and I'll get to that later. No, no, Um But I she's like 56 in this movie. And evidently, Elsa Lancaster liked to tell it. 
anybody who would listen about her way of trying to fix her face. <laughs> I'm guessing that it might a little jealousy. Oh, probably. I mean, Marlena Dietrich, well, she, she just comes across. This was my first movie I've seen her in. And she has like this whole mythical, like outside of cinema kind of thing. And on, so I was kind of like, well, what's her on screen persona? And in this, she is like, she just comes across as the woman that every woman would just hate. Like she is used to everyone throwing shade at her. Yeah. That's, and it, but getting what she wanted. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So you're automatically suspicious of this woman because she. Well, is, first of all, her baritone. German accent. She talks like this. Her face does not move. It cannot move. It cannot the strings move. Will burst. So you're just like, oh man, this. You're automatically off kilter. As yeah. is Sir Wilfred. He's yeah. just like, who is this woman? All of them were like that. Yeah. So she comes in. She's in the scene now, and she gets subjected to the monocle test. She does. Because remember, Leonard said that his wife came to the solicitor. Like Leonard was told by his wife he needed a solicitor because she knew that he was the last one to see the woman alive. And she's his alibi because she says that he was at home at 926 or something. Right. So Wilford puts in his monocle and starts asking her these questions. And what does Marlena do? She answers them, but she shields her eyes. And then she gets up and saunters across the room without moving her head and pulls down the shade. There, that's better. So, um, Sir Wilfred, when she was walking in, was saying how it was a hopeless case and he wasn't going to take it. And she said, you will not personally defend Leonard. <laughs> it is because this case is too hopeless. <laughs> at, which, <laughs> at which point the nurse comes in and says, it's time for you to take your nap. So she, he goes upstairs with her. She gives him some jammies to put on behind the screen, but... He runs back downstairs. Well, because he's thinking it over. And the whole time, Miss, what's her name? Plimpton or something? Pip Plimpsum? She... I just call her the nurse. Wow. The nurse has a name, Ma. She has a name. Miss Plimsoll. The help has a name. I should be respectful. Be respectful of the help. There are people, too. Miss Plimsoll is talking, and she's throwing... And now... Granted, this was, what, 11 years after the war ended. So it's still, the wound is still fresh. Yeah, pretty fresh. And so she's talking some mad shit on her being a German. She's just like, oh, you know, I can't believe it. They brought her to this country and so many have come after the war. They marry them and now they're here, which I'm like, well, I thought he was American. Why is she throwing so much shade on? Like they're both like which foreigner is she talking about? Ah, good point. See, whenever they're talking about the foreigner, they don't talk about the American. Because I'm like, I don't think <laughs> at this point I'm like, wait, is he American? Does he have an accent? He's not talking with an accent. 
Mm-mm. I spent probably 75% of this movie listening to accents, wondering if I had gone crazy. Like, am I so British now that it just sounds normal to me? And I didn't even notice the uniform when he was in uniform, which hasn't come up yet, uh, that uh, to see whether it was an American or an English uniform. In black and white, it's hard to tell. It was hard to tell because then I was like, wait, I don't... I don't know the British uniform to be like, that's British. And I don't know if they were like super adhering to. I mean, I'm guessing they would have been because I don't think Billy Wilder would have dropped the ball on the uniforms. I don't know that Americans would have carried the satchel he carried. (sighs) Yeah, but then he was like in plumbing or something. And he, it'll come up later. He had a lot of a lot of supplies. Yeah, he did. I mean, this guy is oh, he. We always know he's up to no good. And yet he always comes out on top. So okay, she's, go ahead. So they they finished the monocle test. Um, actually, she puts an end to the monocle test. And hmm. Well, I have more before that. Oh, go ahead. So before even the monocle test, she's talking to um, uh, the other barrister, Brogan, because I don't think dude is back yet with the monocle. Oh, yeah. He's upstairs. And she's saying, Leonard, her R's were weird. Leonard has a way with women. And uh, the lawyer goes, your husband didn't know he was getting the money. And she takes a minute. Now, Germans are good lawyers, are good liars so i thought she took a moment and then she says mrs fresh looked upon leonard as a son or nephew and um who's wait who said that mrs french no i think it was the lawyer who said that and she goes what hypocrites you are oh yeah so then she has the monocle test and the last question was uh, you have to tell the truth. Do you love your husband? And Marlena Dietrich says, Leonard thinks I do. Mm-hmm. Then she goes, but he is not my husband. Well, but uh, and before, right before that bombshell, she says that she went to the police, but the police didn't believe her because of her accent. And I was uh, like, yeah, probably a lot of people in the police, you know, probably lost a lot of people. Because of your people, so they probably weren't really accommodating and opening to what you had to say. Especially with her manner, her coldest cucumber ice princess thing she had going on. But Ma, she also survived Germany. So you have to have a little bit of cold-blooded ice princessness to have survived Nazi Germany. That must have been no picnic. So did Frau Frenzel, and she was a lovely woman. <laughs> well, Very yeah. warm. Frau Frenzel isn't getting herself wrapped up in this whole witness for the prosecution thing. Well, she, that's true. She didn't try to leave Germany. <laughs> that's true. She 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 hung around. She stuck it out. So Marlena Dietrich says, "I had a husband in the Eastern sector. One can get uh, and so they're going. So you only married." Um, Tyrone Power out of gratitude, and she said one can get very tired of gratitude. 
Auf Wiedersehen. Yeah, Auf Wiedersehen. She didn't say bitches, but she her her face did. It was implied. Mm-hmm. There will be tears in my eye. Oh, she said, when I testify, don't worry about me testifying. When I testify, there will be tears in my eyes. It's going to be fine. Yeah. He's just like, guys, guys. Hey, hey, I got this. And so the lawyers all go, that woman is up to something. And Sir Wilfred goes, don't worry, the prosecution will break her. Wow, he did have a stroke as well as a heart attack. Because... Did he not just see what we saw? Yeah, because from what I saw, she broke you, Sir Wilfred. Yeah. And then um, somebody asked Sir Wilfred, do you believe he's innocent? And at this time, Sir Wilfred said, I'm not sure. Scene. Now we're at the jail. And But Wilfred's um, taking the case, right? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. at the jail that he finds out so Sir Wilfred is going to represent him. So at the jail, right before we get to the jail, that's when I'm like, wait, is in my notes it says, is Leonard British? So now when we're at the jail, I'm this is where I'm really oh, listening. Taken. This is where I'm really listening to the accent and I'm just like, is this an, is he American or is he British? They wouldn't have taken him to a British jail if he were American. Right. Right? They would have taken him to... The embassy or something? But, uh, or no, wow. if he was an American, wouldn't he have, like, called the embassy and, like, there would have been some sort of diplomatic people. I'm not saying he would have got immunity, but I I just assume there would be an attache yeah. or something. Because I, I assume that there were a lot of Americans left in England after the war, but you still, if you were American, unless you changed your citizenship, you still had, you know, like, it would be an American court to take over. No, I don't think it would be an American. I mean, you would still get tried in Britain, but. Oh, but you would have representation from. Well, you would, I think you would at least, there would at least have been some sort of, like, we we just would have heard about it. It would have been a thing. It at least, it might, it might have been a huge thing. He still would have been tried in Britain, but it would have been kind of like, oh, he's a yank. Let me, like, let me explain how the, how the British court system works. Yeah. Maybe Tyrone Power had such a piss poor British accent. They just said, nobody's going to notice. It's you. Don't worry about it. I think so. But I, I, I was reading and trying to, this was in my crunch time when time was running out for my research. And so I, I was looking for that and I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I didn't find anything about it. I wasn't looking, but nothing came up. This is the biggest, my biggest question of this film. Okay. Well, maybe one of our viewers will, will have the answers for us. Okay. Okay, so they take a photo of Leonard in his... Uh, overcoat and his hat so that they're they're looking for another witness besides his wife who would have seen him at you know but at 9 30 ish instead of the the death hour of 10 10 right and also leonard in jail is wearing the exact same tweed sports coat looking like he just was driving up to santa barbara as when he, 
as his street clothes. He is in, there are no pinstripes. He's not in a jumpsuit. He's yeah. not shackled. Yeah. He's looking, he's looking pretty fine. Yeah. Real weird. But he does mention that Christine has not been to see him and it's been a couple weeks. What? Oh, I missed that. Sir Wilfred says, um, Mr. Vol helped Mrs. French with, uh, we found out Mrs. Mr. Vol helped Mrs. French with her tax returns and with drafting a new will. And there was a cut on his arm, but he said that cut was from slicing bread like two weeks later after the murder. Mm-hmm. Okay, so this is a uh, this is a Tyrone Power telling everyone about him. Oh, he's thinking about Christine and how he met her. Right. So we do a flashback to Hamburg, I believe. It is Hamburg, which is up in the very north, very industrial. Um, not down where the wine is. So he met her in Germany in 1945. She was singing in a bar. I may never go home again. And playing the accordion. I can't do the accordion. Accordion. And sing the song, Aaron. I I wrote down here you would sing it. I may never go home anymore. I I don't remember the tune of it. But there really wasn't one. No, it was just that, her kind of saying that with an accordion. Pretty much what it sounded like. And she's got and, her trademark trousers on. Yes. And but the but the billboard outside has her in a in a very skimpy thing where she's showing off her gams. Right. And so the soldiers keep heckling her, saying, we want to see your legs. We want to see your legs. Mm -hmm. And so they rip her pants to show one of her legs. This whole scene was put in just so that we would see one of her legs in this movie. I mean, she has nice legs. The MPs show up. A Tyrone Power goes out the back. Then he comes back into the bar. Wait, wait, wait. Wait, wait, wait. He doesn't just go out the back. This is who this guy is. He When he went into the bar, he went up to the bar. He got a drink. He paid for the drink. He's he's chilling out in the back. And this is like Germany war. So even the, the room's all messed up. It's been bombed. There's a giant pipe above him. He sees the brawl go down. He puts his drink up on top of the pipe. Exits. MPs come in, they cart everyone away. Whenever, when the ruckus goes, he comes back into the bar, goes right back up, doesn't even look, grabs his drink. It's true. This is who this is who this man is. It's he's who like, we're dealing with. He's like a like a Ferris Bueller in a way, you know. He's just that guy. And uh, she's on her hands and knees looking for her accordion and her hair has come down. So she has, she's always worn her hair up and very tight, um, but her hair has come down, which is supposed to make her look glamorous. I thought she looked really old. Well, she was kind of old. You know what? I'm just now thinking when she was down on the floor, she had to move her head around. Maybe she didn't have the tape and the thread because other times she didn't look that old. I thought that it was just the weight of the war was in her face. 
Oh, aren't you nice? I thought that that I was like, wow. I mean, here she is, a performer. All she wants to do is sing with her accordion. And she's getting heckled by these American and British people who are basically just, you know, come into the country. They're Harvey Weinstein in her right now. And they're full on Harvey Weinstein in her. I mean, this is only what we've seen. I'm sure she has been abused more. Oh, I'm sure. The things she has seen, probably horrible and ghastly. Guilt made it death. And now she, all she has done for the last, how she can't even remember a time when she wasn't constantly putting her life back together. Damn. You a psychologist or something? That's, That's just, that's just what I felt. So she goes, I'm looking for my, and he makes a large accordion noise. He steps on her See, she wasn't looking for her accordion. She was looking for a way out. That's heavy. Yeah, nailed it. So she goes, do you want some coffee at my place? And he goes, "Something um, something about her wedding ring. And she goes, oh, I'm not married. I just wear this while I'm working. She, it, this is her only protection is this wedding ring. <laughs> Damn, Aaron. <laughs> You're really into Marlena Dietrich. Oh, giving her all the... Okay. Um, so she goes... Uh, so he goes, um, I have some coffee. I have a tin of coffee. So she's like, oh, all right. I haven't had real coffee in a long time. So he goes, what do I get out of it? So he gets a kiss. So then he goes, um, well, uh, what do I get if I give you some sugar and some cream? So he, so he has this little satchel. It's an adorable little satchel. And he has all his rations in it. And so he's giving her all his rations. So he flops on the bed like, you know, that's what I'm wait, getting. Wait, wait, wait. Hold and on. he knocks the whole ceiling down because it's being held up by a chair. A chair! Her whole, he goes over to take a seat on the chair and she says, don't take that chair. It's holding the beam up that is holding the entire half of a ceiling up. This is where she's living. It's a hard lot life. Oh, man. Okay. And then the ceiling comes crashing down. So at this point, he says, I brought her to England. And Sir Wilfred goes, I'm not putting her in the witness box. Nobody here wants to hear this German accent. Nobody's going to listen to her being your alibi. She's not going on the witness stand. And here's the thing. So a wife or a spouse can't testify, can't give testimony that incriminates their spouse. Correct. So only the defense could call her. But if the defense calls her, everybody will be like, well, yeah, she's just saying that because she's married to the guy. Right. So he's her meal ticket. Yeah. So Wilfred's like, I'm not going to I'm not going to call her up because nobody like everybody's going to say that that's why she's saying it, especially when they hear the accent. So I'm not going to call her. And if I don't call her, the prosecution can't call her. So. Right. We're going to we're going to we're going to win this another way. And Tyrone Power cries. I can't face this without Christine. Yeah. He l- 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 loves her. 
shift. Yeah, he, he breaks down a lot. Next scene, it's the day of the trial. Court. Uh, Sir Wilfred has heartburn. He has high blood pressure. He is supposed to be taking a tranquilizer daily, hourly, hourly. And so there, um, the prosecution is up, you know, doing his opening arguments. He's saying Emily French was 56. Em Emily French was 56, the dead woman. Mm -hmm. The dead woman looked to me to be about 80. Well, I mean, again, these times in the 50s, when you, by the time you got to 56, you were 80. You had, you had lived some years. Because you had been yes. through two world wars at that point. Yeah. So okay. you're well, aged. I just keep going. You reverse those numbers and it's my age. And I don't think I look as old as Emily French looked. Nope. But Emily French also did not look as as old as Marlena Dietrich. I mean, like they are the same age, supposedly. Yeah, that's, so. that's true. Emily French did look older than Marlena Dietrich. Yeah. Is that what you meant? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So Chief Inspector Hearn talks, um, and Carter is Sir Wilfred's um, manservant. Yeah, and he and so he has a thermos of cocoa that the nurse gives him. Sorry, Elsa, Miss um, so that he can take his hourly tra hourly tranquilizer. Yeah, because when this trial starts. Sir Wilfred is not even in the court. He is like seemed to have an episode. It's very everyone is very touch and go about this man's heart. And he's yeah. not supposed to be taking this trial. Who this trial may just kill him. He's gotta take like his blood pressure has skyrocketed. They get, <coughs> they gave him some sort of shot. He's got these pills he's gotta take every hour. And Plimpson has set her watch to the hour and she's like look up to me i'm gonna cue you carter you have to give him his pills and then he's got he's supposed to take it with with coco and she goes wait a minute i know who i'm dealing yeah, with yeah that's let not me cocoa. see that thermos and so she opens it and goes i'm so surprised this is coco i was so like gives, drink it vodka doesn't smell bitch but she gives it back to Carter, and he switches it out for another thermos. And then I was like, ah. Yeah, that has brandy in it. So so this lawyer is going to be taking an hourly tranquilizer and washing it down with brandy. That's This is how he rolls. This is how he rolls. And this is how he got himself to have a massive heart attack. Yep. So this is going to be fun. Okay, so the woman's death was caused by one blow. There were fingerprints at the place. They were fingerprints of Mrs. French, janitor, housekeeper, and Leonard Vole. There was a broken window, but the broken glass didn't come from the outside in, so it was set up to look like it was a burglary, but nothing was missing. And his jacket he had on had blood stains around the cuffs. Mm-hmm. And it looked like it, they had tried to wash that blood out. The blood was type O, and Mrs. French had type O blood. So Sir Wilfred says, but he told you he cut himself slice, slicing bread, and uh, what is the prisoner's blood type? Type O. 
So uh, Sir Wilfred did good there. Tyrone Power is sweaty. Oh, because he's he's realizing like, oh, this really looks like I did it. Yeah, it really does. This is not good. So then they called the housekeeper, Janet McKenzie, to the stand. And well, well, before, also, the um, the prosecution kind of does a little redirect, and they're like, um, could it be possible that Home, Home Slice sliced himself after the murder so that he would have this as an alibi or an excuse? <laughs> and the guy was like, I guess it's possible. Yeah. They're like, oh, because you can't. At this point, they only know what type of blood it is. They don't have the DNA to be like. They didn't have DNA. I did think of that. Okay, so the housekeeper comes up, and and Tyrone Power has told us that she never liked him. So she was going to be off that night. She left the house about 7.30. She went wherever she was going. She forgot something. She came back, she passed the sitting room about 9.25, and she heard Leonard Vull and Mrs. French talking. At this point, uh, Elsa's timer goes off. It's time for him to take a pill with his brandy. Mm-hmm. So uh, Janet, is, Janet is an older Scottish woman, and she heard Leonard talking and laughing with Mrs. French. And Tyrone Power yells at it. It wasn't me. So at 1040, when she went home, she went in to check on her. And there she was dead in the living room. Now, Sir Wilfred is taking his tranquilizer pills and he's like playing with them. He's making grids with them and moving them around. Yeah. Like he's playing solitaire or something. So um, the prosecution asks the housekeeper, did Mrs. French know he was married? No. Um, Did Mrs. French and the prisoner talk about a will? Well, yes. So Sir Wilfred says there were two wills, correct? And you, the housekeeper, in the first one, you were supposed to receive most of her money, correct? And the door was closed are you sure it was Leonard Vole's voice? She could have been listening to the television. An old lady goes, she wouldn't listen to the TV because the TV was out getting serviced. <laughs> but he's purposely talking lower and lower. And she has to cup her ear to hear what he's saying. And then they're talking about how... Um, she she's on some kind of assistance well they had the not she said you applied recently to the national for to national health insurance for a hearing aid mm-hmm. which i like to point out that yes it is 1957 and britain has national health insurance 57 yeah um, and so she said, yeah, can, you, can anybody here do anything about hurrying up and getting that hearing aid to me? Because, you know, I really need it. So her testimony's wiped out. Yeah, because and when the barrister's asking the question, he'll be like, ma'am, you applied for a hearing aid, didn't you? <laughs> and he lowers like the end part of it. And she's like, huh? So it's basically like, um, you can't hear. So 
how are you sure that it's uh, that it was him that you heard? Exactly. And then the I don't know if it's the judge, but somebody th- has a great line where she he says to the maid, "Wow, with all the with all the rubbish that they're talking now, you're not missing out on anything." Yeah. Yeah. I was like, "Oh man, he's a good old man." Okay, now it's the third day of the trial. And uh, Sir Wilfred only has five pills left. It's time for the prosecution to call Christine. And everybody's going, wait, what? How can the prosecution call Christine? The the prosecution calls Christine Helm. What? Sir Wilfred says, oh, I have a serious objection here. And uh, Christine Helm, are you his wife? And she goes, no. Dun, dun, dun. Goes, what? what are you talking about? What are you talking about, baby? You're, what are you talking about? That's not true. That's not true. Uh, are you here to give evidence against Leonard Vole? Yes, I am. He returned home at 10.10. What? He was breathing hard. Christine, what are you saying? He asked me to wash his bloody coughs. Christine! And he said, I've killed her. Christine, what? At which point the head guy up there, you know how our judges have a gavel? He has a pencil. He bangs the end of his pencil now, on now. the table to get order. Cheerio and, and what what and rosh rosh and hush hush and whoosh whoosh. I never loved him. It was gratitude. Uh, And she says, I cannot do it. I cannot lie anymore. That is the truth. So Sir Wilfred says, well, let's see. You lied to Leonard. You lied to the authorities. You lied to the police. Uh, You lied that he accidentally cut himself. Are you a chronic habitual liar? Yeah. Wilfred basically lays out every single thing that this woman has said has been a lie. And so he's like, well, why do you, what makes us believe you now? Everything out of your mouth has been a lie. She says, so help me God. (laughs) And she walks out. Tyrone Power has his head in his hands. And then we pan up to the gallery where um, Elsa is telling Carter to get him another pill. And there's this young woman crying. I went, hmm. Yeah. And, but, but she the, said she, she'd never seen a trial before. This is the, the Aaron Bush role. And I was like, I'm not even crying. What are you crying for? I cry at everything. This has not brought me to tears. So Sir Wilfred calls. Sir Wilfred said, okay, so uh, Chief Inspector Hearn said this. Janet, the housekeeper, lost 80,000 pounds. Christine Helm, uh, the wife cannot give harmful evidence for what that's worth. Only one witness can shed any new light. I call Leonard Stephen Vole. So Tyrone Power gets up there and goes, I did not murder her. And the defense rests. Yeah. 
I mean, what more do you want from us? He just said he didn't do it. So. He didn't do it. So the district attorney dude, he's not a district attorney, but he said, weren't you the beneficiary? Yes. Did you wear a trench coat and a hat? Sure uh, did. The a witness has come forward to say that you were with a brunette um, in a travel agency and you were looking at cruises. How were you doing that when you were so broke if you didn't know anything about this $80,000? And he's going, uh, a clingy brunette, may I add. Oh. I was at a bar, and we just had a couple drinks together, and, and I walked her out, and there was this travel agent there, and we just went, oh, let's just see if we had money, where could we go? Yeah. Um, it, it was just a whim, and Tyrone Power is distraught, and he just says, I just, I didn't do it. I just didn't do it. See. Right. So now the lawyers are at Sir Wilfred's office. The phone is ringing. Carter picks it up, and it's somebody just saying that they want to talk to him. And Carter's going, no, you can't talk to him. He's in the middle of something really busy. He's not supposed to be talking to anybody anyway. Well, um, yeah, because he's got a boat reservation, and he's got a Bermuda shorts fitting that he needs to take care of. <laughs> Everybody pretty much knows that this case is lost. It's like people... They like Vo, but they don't believe him. They don't like his wife, but they do believe her. So. The, the second, third, and fourth time. Yeah. And um, But the phone person says, I've got the goods on that German wife, and it's for sale. Get over here and bring plenty of money at the Eustace station. So the only way that they... Uh, that the doctor allowed Sir Wilfred to take this was if he promised to do a Bermuda vacation right after this and just do nothing but rest. So uh, Sir Wilfred runs out to Eustace Station. And, and there's a the, woman there. He's with the other dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the solicitor. Yeah. And um, <laughs> there's this woman at a bar and I wrote, she looks like Tony Curtis in drag. I thought the same thing. And then she's doing this accent. And I, I was, I laughed. It was like, what accent is that? It was a Cockney accent. But it sounded like me doing any <laughs> Cockney ac accent. Doing a Cockney <laughs> accent. It was like, hey, cheerio, governor. Exactly. <laughs> So, well, you got 40 pounds, eh? I'll give you the letters if you want them. <laughs> Juicy, ain't they? Yeah. I mean, talk about what's up with this woman. But so then, <laughs> then they're going, what do you have against her? And she goes, he, she took my younger guy, see? Yeah, see? <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then he cut me and she raises her hair up. And next to her ear, you can see this horrible scar. Oh, it's just awful. And she's got really dirty teeth and her hands. I'm <laughs> looking at her hands and I'm like, those hands are the hands of somebody who's 70. What's with her hands? <laughs> I then became obsessed with the woman's hands. I can't I rewind go it. I'm going now. back and I'm like, oh, my God. 
Those hands are the hands of an old person. What is going? And the face is weird. And I'm just like, what is going on? Yeah, it was. It you definitely were going. What? What the okay. hell? It's the last day of the trial, and the prosecution is giving well, their wait, final wait, wait. address. So, so basically, the woman though gives these letters to Sir Wilfred for forty pounds, and the letters are from Christine to her a, another beau of hers i believe named max max yeah and in these letters it's pretty much christine telling max how she lied about um the how she came up with this whole scheme and she's gonna she would be she she's like i max i know how to get rid of my husband I'm going to frame him for this murder. I'm going to tell the police that he came in at 1010 and all of this stuff. It's going to be perfect. Exactly. Right. So it is the last day and it's time for the final address. But Sir Wilfred isn't in the room with the courtroom. Right. But he comes hustling in and he says. And I'm like, slow your roll, Wilfred. Like, you haven't finished this case yet. Judge, 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 I need to reopen the case for the defense. And he has three or four precedents where this has happened before. Yes. Um, Because he has come upon letters written by Christine Helm. And the judge overrules him. So he goes, well, then I call Christine Helm. Do you know a man named Max? No. <laughs> and um he goes and he he holds up a regular piece of paper and, and he goes well this is a letter i've been given that you wrote to max and it says dear my dearest max but and she goes it's that, a that is not my letter that is i write a let my letters are on little blue paper with my initials on them which point Sir Wilfred goes like these oh, and pulls she. out her blue letters with her initials on them. Exactly like that. Damn you. Damn, Damn you. you. Let Damn me go. You. Let me go. And she is crying. Um, let her suppose I testify against it. Yeah, that's what the letters say. It's like, hey, Max, suppose I testify against him. I shall be free on yours. I will be free. Tyrone Power is up up where he's sitting going, tell him you didn't do it. I know you didn't do it. I know you didn't write those letters. Marlena Dietrich actually has tears on that tight face. They're popping off. Because it's it's like like a a, trampoline. Exactly. Bing, bing, bing. I wrote the letters. Oh, now she's facing perjury, folks. Uh, okay, and she's been told that it, it's not—it's not an easy thing yeah. in uh, in England to lie. She's going to face some jail time. You just lied in the house of the queen. So now we're waiting on the jury, but Sir Wilfred keeps going. Huh? I'm missing something. Yeah. I'm missing something. 
it's just too neat and too tidy. Yeah. And they're going, well, you know, you're worried about the, the judgment? And he goes, I'm not worried about the jury's judgment. Uh, what worries me is my judgment. All right. I think at this point, if you have been listening to this and you're like, oh, I don't want to know how it ends. I want to watch it. Then now's a good time to stop giving you fair we, warning. We want to say Happy New Year to you. And we know you're really going to enjoy it. So you can turn it off now. And we'll see you next week. Yeah, we don't even know what movie we're doing next we week because we didn't. We don't even, know what movie we're doing, so yeah. it'll be a surprise. Uh huh. So there you go. Just like so. this movie was a surprise. It was indeed, and well worth it. Mm-hmm. So, so it it is two hours, about two hours long. Mm-hmm. And time well spent. It, but it flies by. Yeah, you you people with snow days coming up, it's a great one to watch. Mm-hmm. So if you don't want to hear any more about the ending which is a great way to watch it. If you plan on watching it, turn us off now. Yeah. If you haven't well, seen it, yeah, bye. <laughs> all okay. right, all right, people, you're here. So you know, you know what's about to go down. Now, a long, back when, when Marlena Dietrich was playing the accordion and, and doing that thing she called singing, I wrote in my notes, she did it. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Okay, so they say, prisoner, stand up. Tyrone Power's sweating. Oh, he's sweating. Oh, he's sweating bullets. the head juror announces he is... Not guilty! Now, over on the side, you see Marlena Dietrich sigh (sighs) in relief. She is so relieved. Tyrone Power does the whole... OJ Simpson thing. Yeah. Oh, because okay. at this point, I'm like, he did it. He did it. He did it. And his wife. At this point, I think that his wife. All right. At this point, I'm like, oh, snap. And really? yeah, I, <laughs> I kind of had an inkling because. <laughs> I became obsessed with the hands. Ah, the hands always give it away. And it's not yet, though. So we'll keep going because it wasn't until like right before that I pieced it all together. Not me. So he he he's not guilty. He's free to leave. Marlena Dietrich sighs in relief. Mm -hmm. But Sir Wilfred has his monocle in. Everybody's leaving the courtroom, but he's still sitting there with his monocle in because he knows something isn't right. Right. So and, um, you know, everybody's doing high fives. Everybody wants to uh, a word or a, a comment from from Leonard Tyrone Power. And he goes over to Sir Wilfred and he's like, my man, thanks, bro. And then the other guy is saying, hey. You know, I got your belongings. Um, let me go sign them out to you. So this dude is skipping. He's just like doing a crip walk as he's following the guy downstairs. So it the courtroom's empty except for Sir Wilfred. And I believe everybody's like giving Marlene 
as Christine, she's like being hounded. And I think somebody in the court or something kind of like drags, like pulls her into the courtroom and right. shuts she's, the door. She's being harassed yeah. out in the hall. And so she's kind of like getting herself together and, and just kind of like. Oh. It's like she got knocked down. Her, her skirt's got dust on it. Her elbows yeah, are dusty. Yeah, her elbows are all dusty and stuff. And so she like sets up her mirror. And this is when I pieced it together. Because she sets up her mirror, and I believe she starts reapplying her makeup. And I'm like, damn! She's really? got some old-looking hands! Really? Yeah! Wow, I didn't see it at that point. Because cause she's got one of her hands is really weird and veiny. And you know how they say that like with, with um, like plastic surgery and stuff, and... Like they always say, though, that your hands don't lie. You can't. You can't do anything you with. You can't hands. do anything with their hands. And her yeah. hands, especially like this one hand, it was just really vain. I'm gonna have to go back and watch that. And I was like, "Well, I'll be doggone." Not me. I'm still in the dark, listeners. Sir Wilfred goes. You know, you'll be charged with perjury. And Marlena says, "You know, you had help." You said no jury would believe a loving wife. So who act, um, So then she starts to act out the woman with the letters, with the Cockney accent. Mm-hmm. And she comes over and says to him, it took me hours to write him. And then she pulls back her hair and, uh, and says whatever the Cockney woman would said Would you like about. to give me a kiss? Yeah, it, but her, her skin is fine. It, it wasn't cut. Um, and she said, uh, I knew he was guilty. Uh, he told me only I could save him. So at this point, Tyrone Powers comes back in. And he and he's basically walks up and is just clapping. And he, and he told Sir Wilfred, he's like, I told you my wife was an actress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And a good one. You got me off. Mm-hmm. And I can't be tried again. <laughs> Double indemnity. Double jeopardy. But the British probably call it something different, like double wiggity for the And wigs. she goes, we'll be together again. At which point, the young woman from the gallery. Well, the nurse comes in. in, followed by the young woman from the gallery. And kisses Tyrone all over his face. That I did not see coming. I did think it was odd that all of a sudden this woman was up there crying. But then when she came in, I was like, oh, you idiot. Of course. I figured he had had a fling with her, but I had no idea this was happening. I, uh. So, um, Leonard, is this the girl from the travel agency? And he goes, uh, and um, he says to Marlena, uh, I saved you by getting you out of Germany, and you saved me from this. And she realizes, oh, my God, he's not going to be with me. He's going to be with young teary thing well young teary thing like it, it like taunts her and is like oh i know about you you're older than he is mm-hmm. oh and so she like gets mad and she lunges at tyrone power and tyrone power like shakes her off into a chair and then on the defense table is the knife that he supposedly cut himself with when he was slicing bread Marlena Dietrich, as only an angry German woman can do. Yeah, like, 
Oh, well, you motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, nobody's going to be with you now. <laughs> Sticks, she sticks that knife in him like a stuck pig oh and he goes down and i honestly <laughs> nurse plimsoll's reaction to this <laughs> i rewound it three times to watch it because i was laughing so hard he gets stuck right we don't see it go in because the camera marlena Dietrich like is hiding the knife and it she gets it gets stuck in so we don't see it. Tyrone Power stays for a beat and then he falls to the ground. And you just go, one. And <laughs> Plimsoll, he basically falls at the nurse's feet. She just walks over, lifts up his arm to check the pulse, and then just stands up and walks over <laughs> to the guy. Like as a nurse, there is there was no sort of like, let me stop the roll him over. There was no <laughs> screaming. There was no, even his girlfriend was just like, just watch the whole thing happen. Yeah. It felt like it, it oh, really yeah. like, it felt like there were plenty of people just standing around who could have stopped her because it happened in slow motion. It was almost like watching you trip and fall, honestly. <laughs> it was happening so slow and he falls and she's the nurse and she just lifts his wrist up and then like people run in. From the courtroom. Like nobody. Nobody does anything to try to save this man. And she just yeah, walks over. And, and she's like there's nothing they can do. Yeah, he's dead. He's dead. Stuck him in the gut. Yeah, We don't even and know where she stuck him. But he's dead. Sir Wilfred said she didn't kill him. She executed him. Yep. And Miss Plimpson says. So I guess we'll be preparing for the defense of the trial of Christine Vole. And the. The. What are they called? The credits? No, not the credits. The policemen. They come and they take Christine uh, away. Yeah. The bulls. <laughs> yes. So there were a few. I knew there would be a twist because Agatha Christie always has a twist. Mm -hmm. But again, I didn't give her full credit for how many twists she was going to come up with. Well, I didn't give... I didn't give Marley. <laughs> I mean, like knowing it now and you watch it, you'll be like, yeah, that's Marlena Dietrich. But really, she completely had me fooled. They the said with the, with the makeup that at first she looked too manly. And this was her after they had glammed her up a little bit. Because she did look, I was like, is that a man? She looked like Tony Curtis. She did. So like it hot. And she I had swear. this weird like thing going on with her mouth where oh. it was like she was cut. But there was something about the eyes where I was like, I think that's Marlene Dietrich. But then I got really like, I was like, oh my God, but her hands are so old. And then that's when I was like, wait, does Marlene Dietrich's hands really old? And then I was doing all the math. I was like, oh wait, she was in like a movies in the 30s. This is the 50s. She might be like really old in this movie. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and look at her hands. I don't, I think they probably did makeup on her hands as well. But, oh, let's give her the credit of that. But it's really interesting because she was doing reviews in Las Vegas and she was so convinced that she was going to get an Oscar nomination for this role that she changed her like opening 
like the audio and the opening of her Vegas thing to include, I believe, like Academy Award nominee Marlena Dietrich now performs or whatever. And she was absolutely crushed that she didn't get a nomination. And people theorize because when the credits roll in this movie, it says there's a whole voiceover that comes on the screen and says the theater would like to ask you to not tell anybody how the movie ends so that they can enjoy it. Like, do you yeah. remember? Not yeah. only that, but they, they previewed it for the royal family, and the royal family had to promise not to tell the ending. Right. So nobody, so nobody could know that that was her playing the cockney role as well. Oh, yeah. So, so she didn't so really that get, couldn't be part of yeah. her body of work. Yeah. So so in the publicity oh. of like the for your considerations, they couldn't be like, check out Marlena Dietrich. She's the wife and she does this awesome cottony like crazy scene oh. <laughs> where she like steals the show, basically. And yeah. I was also because I was like, who is this? Who is this actress? Like who? I was kind of like, who is this man? It's this woman yeah. <laughs> who's in this role because I, I feel like it, it would have been like um, talked about and a star making performance and no one ever heard it. And that's, I'm kind of like, is that, is that Marlena Dietrich? Wow. Is that? So that's what kind of got me thinking it. And so, yeah, she didn't get, you know, people that, that couldn't be out there ballyhooed in her favor. Yeah. Huh. Well, even the actress didn't know the ending until the last day of shooting. Yeah, but she had to have known because she played that part. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they probably didn't know that he was going to die. Yeah, that she was going to stab him. And nobody was going to give any fucks to help him. (laughs) Like, at all. No one lifted a finger. That's true. Not like if you watch that murder, it's coming from a mile away. And I'm like, wow, no one is really doing anything about this. Yep, that's true. All right. So should we go into our trivia? I have given all of my trivia. Oh, I got lots more. All right, let's go. All right. So Sir Wilf or Charles Lawton, um, Billy Wilder said that he had the greatest of all technical ranges and he had a reputation of being somewhat difficult to work with. But Billy Wilder was like, he was so into this movie that he was a pleasure to work on. And they had a day that was assigned just for jury reaction shots. So none of the stars, it was basically his day off. And he was so fascinated with the technical like filmmaking process that he volunteered and he came in and he read all of the parts for the jury to react off of. So he even read like Marlena Dietrich's part and stuff. And Billy Wilder was just like, he was amazing. He was so fantastic that he was one of like, that's, he says he's the greatest technical actor he's ever seen. And Daniel Day-Lewis has also cited him. Really? And I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis. He's got a new one coming out I want to see. Yep, P- Paul Thomas Anderson film. Um, Yeah, Tyrone Power died, I believe, the next year while he was of in Spain. a heart attack. A massive heart attack. Um, 
Let's. I I did hear they they wanted other people for the role. They felt he was a little too old. Mm-hmm. But um, Billy Wilder got him if he would do then the next film also. It was a two picture deal, but then he died before he could complete it. So this was his last film. Yeah. It is. And they also, other people wanted, um, other people were in the talks, like Vivian Lee was in talks to be the woman. But Marlena Dietrich, she was actually the one that convinced Billy Wilder to do it because they had been friends and they had worked together on another couple of movies. And so then once he was, you know, attached to direct it she kind of got the role because she was his friend and it was kind of the one that suggested it right and people would always come up to alfred hitchcock and say how much they loved this film because they thought it was his and he's like no i didn't direct it but then billy wilder says that people always thought that billy wilder directed the paradigm case which hitchcock directed so they had it was very hitchcockian Mm mm-hmm so it kind of made sense. And for they weren't allowed in Old Bailey Courthouse in London. They weren't even allowed to take still photos. So the really? designer, Alexandra, Alexandre Troner, T-R-A-U-N-E-R, he went there and did all of these detailed sketches and came back and did to scale um, a recreation on the soundstage. Didn't it cost a whole lot of money? It cost $75,000 to recreate In 1958. Yeah, 1958. And it was, like, down to the minutest detail. And they, like, recreated it from woods and stuff. So it did look bona fide, because I was kind of like, did they go all the way and, like, were they able to film in there? So that guy was, he did a pretty fantastic job. And he was, when they asked him about it, he was all modest. He was like, well, nothing compares to the real thing. Mm-hmm. So, and. Modesty. Remember modesty? What is that? I, I, I have a hard time remembering. So um, the that brawl scene in Germany in the flashback It Mm -hmm. had 145 extras and 38 stuntmen, and it cost $90,000 to do. Really? Yeah. Just to show her legs. Just to show her legs. Just to show them gams. Well, I guess guess some people came just to see that, so. But I also thought, though, not only did it just show her legs, it also showed how much she needed to escape, and she was basically willing to accept the proposal of anyone who would get her out of this situation. Yeah. Like, if well, any one of those those German men had just been like, you don't have to show me your legs, just marry me, and I'll take you away from here, she would have gone. Yeah. Because she had a roommate. Like, remember? She had a... She, yeah. Because the guy was like, oh, it's a small place. He's like, you should have seen when I had a roommate. There was a dancer in here, but she married a Canadian, and now she's in Toronto with an Oldsmobile. Yeah. And she was very jealous of that. Yeah, everybody just wanted to get out. Yep. So it was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Supporting Actress, Best Film Editing, and Best Sound Mix. A Supporting Actress, Elsa Lancaster? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Oh, well, it's too bad she didn't get an award then. I mean, a nomination anyway. Yeah, she did. I mean, I mean, Marlena. Oh, yeah. No, she didn't. Yeah. But the best picture, so it didn't win best picture, but I saw, because I was like, whenever I see that something was nominated for best picture, I I always want to know, well, what won? Yeah. Well, listen to the 1957 best picture contenders. 12 Angry Men, Peyton Place, Sayonara, Witness for the Prosecution, and Bridge Over the River Kwai. Wow. Bridge Over the River Kwai won, didn't it? Yep. So that's that's some pretty stiff competition. That's some competition. Whew. Well, well done. Thank you for suggesting this one. Well, actually, thank you, Mike, yep. for giving us this suggestion. Yes, we have a male listener once in a while. Um, and I was thinking in, in these days and times, maybe next week we should do... Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Oh, fantastic. Okay. Yep. Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Yeah. So, listeners, we hope you enjoyed this as much as we enjoyed it. Um, and even if you uh, even if you have heard it, uh, um, the ending, you still might want to check it out. Check out the hands and check out the blanket. I'm going to do that when we... When we hang up. And check out the voice. Oh my goodness. And how I, I would check out how the, her head doesn't move. I never noticed that. Yeah. Except when she's on the floor and then she looks really old when she gets up. But that's because of everything she'd been through. The you know, all the, the wars world. and everything. Mm-hmm. All the rapes she had to go through. <laughs> yep. Okay. Well, thank you, listeners. Thank you, and bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.